I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey idiots, welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, the podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions. I'm your host, JMS. I'm a comedian, and I'm ignorant, and that's why we're here. You get to hear my sometimes poignant, but usually dumb questions about whatever the given topic is. If you are new to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. It really helps me, helps other people find it, and then we can all learn the answers to our ignorant questions. Thank you so, so, so much to all the new subscribers and reviewers. Thank you to everyone who has left a rating and a review. I really appreciate that. Seriously, it helps. So if you have an iPhone, open that purple podcast app, go to browse or go to search, search for ignorance is hashtag blessed, scroll down to where it says write a review and have at it. I would greatly appreciate it. And I uh, will screenshot your review and throw it out there to the social media world as it comes out live. And uh, yeah, thank you for that. Shout out to my best idiots forever, Jean and Kathy. Um, Those are top tier patrons. If you want to get involved in my Patreon so you can hear bonus content, such as right now I'm reading Harry Potter chapter by chapter. And also every episode over an hour is only available through the Patreon. So you get to hear the first free hour, which is full of content. It's a great interview, but... In the event that an episode goes longer than an hour, which they often do, this one went, excuse me, this one went two hours, uh, you got to head over to the Patreon and for as little as a dollar a month, you can get bonus content, fun interactions, postcards, and more. Patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed. And that'll help me out. I do this podcast otherwise for free, with the exception of that. So please head over. Give me a dollar. Get the rest of this cool interview because it is an awesome one. Uh, Also, if you're trying to get things done in the quarantine uh, or you're just wanting a little energy and focus, Neurogum is the official sponsor of this podcast as of now because they found me through my loud love of Neurogum. So this is an authentic review and they just happened to hook me up with a code for you guys if you're interested. It's got L-theanine and B vitamins and caffeine. So when you chew the gum, you get energized, but because of the L-theanine, which is a naturally occurring nootropic in your brain and the B vitamins, it's a focused energy. So you're not just shaky and rattly and bouncing up the walls. You can zone in on whatever you're doing. And it has been a lifesaver for me. It helps me feel focused, which in turn helps my depression and anxiety because I am happier when I'm getting things done and focused. Also, You can join the Facebook group to get involved in discussions, and that doesn't cost a penny. Facebook.com slash groups slash ignorance is blessed. Just look up ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots, and you should find it. And uh, you can jump in, ask ignorant questions, start a discussion, share memes, do whatever. We're having fun over there. We'd love to have you. And uh, no shows coming up for the rest of eternity, probably. Uh, Besides online ones, I will be doing comedy quarantine 
this Friday between 7 and 8 p.m. That is a quarantined show. Um, uh, you can follow the Instagram at Comedy Quarantine, and uh, I'll be on there. And then Thursday, I'm doing a show that is shot from Zurich, so it is 11 a.m. Pacific time, but evening time over there. If you're in the Europe area or you just want a daytime show, that's the online comedy show. Just look at my Instagram profile, JMS Comedy. Keep an eye out. I'll be posting about it in my stories. And uh, yeah, let's get to the episode. Franco is my guest, Franco Marufo. He's a rad dude and he talks to me about being diagnosed with and uh, working on his mental health as a result and overcoming the struggle of dissociative identity disorder, which um, if you're unfamiliar with that term, it's the fancy way of saying split personalities. So it's a real life split personality. I know I've had one uh, years ago. If you've listened to the early episodes uh, with Des. And now I have a whole new case, a different situation. Cool guy from Scotland uh, who just kept it real. We had a lot of discussions about discussions. It was one long discussion, but we had a lot of talk about his DID, how he's dealing with it, what the treatment looks like, and uh, some other... God, I'm stuttering. Uh, Excuse me. Some other fun stuff like mushrooms, of course. Um, Will I ever start editing out my stutters and coughs? Maybe not. That's neither here nor there. Enjoy Franco Marufo. Hey, idiots. I am here on Skype with my friend Franco. Thank you for joining us, Franco. Um, hey. And we're going to talk about something. Uh, whew, where do we start? It's very interesting. I feel like a lot of people have only heard about this from... And, uh, you know, feel free to correct me if you think that's not true, but like they have like the movie media version of what we're going to talk about, which is dissociative sure, identity uh, disorder. Right. Sure. Uh, it's typically just referred to as split personality in yeah. uh, movies. And um, in the past, it was prefer- referred to as split personality, but it's, um, it's not, I mean, like, strangely enough, it's not accurate, accurately represented in, a, in in that kind of media format. I'm shocked. The media is misrepresenting I something. <laughs> I know, I know. Crazy, I know. Yeah, well, because they, I mean, a lot of times it's depicted as, I'm trying to think of the movies I know of. Uh, Split, obviously, was the one of the more recent ones, but kind of people make it scary or maybe, maybe a little more cartoonish. I don't know if that's the right word. Then... Yeah. I think I think like the the main thing that the movies kind of um, like they kind of go too far with is that they they present it in such a way that um, it's when other people look at it they're like that is a very very alien thing to me you know but in reality yeah. when you break this dissociative identity disorder down it's actually some of it or most of it really is quite familiar to most mm. people and the only difference um, with the kind of like a regular person and someone with a disorder, is it's just a bit more extreme with a disorder, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess we'll go into that. Um, so how long have you been diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder? So it was a few years ago. Uh, it's probably about four years ago now. Um, and I always knew there was there was something up, you know? Okay. Um, Typically, we with DID, someone um, that 
they, when they get diagnosed, they've usually been through the mental health system for a number of years. I think it's like an average of like seven years, and they typically get diagnosed with a bunch of things before. Oh, they so it's misdiagnosed a lot, maybe as like yeah. bipolar or schizophrenia. Uh, borderline, borderline. Often it's because um, it's a lot. There's a lot in common with borderline um, personality disorder, like the sort of um, shifting personalities and things. Oh, wow, um, yeah. So always knew there was there was something going on, but it's like part of the disorder, or certainly like part, part of my disorder is that one of my parts was always kind of try to cover his tracks and kind of put me off the scent, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'd forget things. I was forgetting lots and lots of just. Things that I shouldn't forget, really, wow. uh, and they, but they're not really thinking about it. Just going, oh, that's odds, and then just moving on my life. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's weird. What am I doing here? Oh well. Yeah. Well, it's oh, like so. Um, so I finished. I finished high school. Uh, um, so I was sixteen, seventeen, and um, uh, about a year after I finished high school, I was I went in a travel agent and I was booking a holiday. Um, and I was sitting with this lass and she was quite a young lass, she must have been a trainee or something and I booked this whole holiday with her and we got to the end of the whole thing and she's like, you don't remember me, do you? And I was like, what do you mean? And this lass was in, I went to school with this lass. Oh, wow. Like, she was in my class every single day for like four or five years. She was in my registration class, so it was literally the first class of the day when you're doing roll call. She was oh, wow. in that class and I had absolutely no memory of her. So, like, within a year of me leaving school, I really had very vague memories of school. And even my best friends from oh. school, I would struggle to remember their names, you know. Oh, my gosh. Did you at <laughs> first kind of chalk that up to, oh, I guess I just, you know, so many things oh, so going scatty. on. Yeah, I'm so scatty. <laughs> I've got such yeah. a scatty memory. <laughs> yeah. So and I would, I'd be like, oh, that's a bit weird. But I'd just move on. You know, I'd just be like, oh, that's a bit weird. I would just move on. And there was a there was a number of instances like that just throughout my life where I would move from sort of one like, period of my life, one chapter of my life uh, onto It's kind of like those big transitions where you're like you right. know, leaving school right. or going into a new career. Sure. And for one reason or another, uh, I, I guess I decided that I had to be a different person in this new chapter and as I became a different person the old person just sort of I just kind of forgot what they'd been up to you know like I had a vague impression of the previous years but I just kind of forgot like details you know and like details that you shouldn't forget like who your best friend was that you hung out with every day for four years you know oh wow yeah because I was gonna I was gonna say um I think all of us sort of you know maybe not maybe not as a conscious action but when we shift to those new phases of life we sort of we do grow and we change you know when you graduate high school or graduate college and you move into like having a career you sort of right. let yeah. go of parts me, of you but me. So you place new me and you try and become this other person that you you feel as if you've been more comfortable becoming or whatever and that's that's a big part of dissociative identity disorder is that it's like the, the, the bit we can all um identify with is you're not the same person all the time. You know, there's like work you and there's friends you and there's like Absolutely. family you, and, you know, and partner you. And although they're, they're all you, you definitely act different in different situations with different people. Well, that's of kind of the same kind of thing, you know. Um, and in terms of the dissociation from your actions and the sort of not feeling as if that's you, that was, that was you that did those things. Everybody does that at some point. You know, everybody's 
had like some crazy night out and done some crazy stuff and went, well, I don't know why I did all that, you know, that's it just just doesn't sound like me. And it's like, oh, well it gosh. was you that kid. It was you, but you're trying to di- you're trying to distance yourself from your actions because you, it was like some other version of you, right? Yeah. I mean I all I can think of is the, the amount of time specifically. I mean there's more but like <laughs> all my college blackouts. But those were also probably (laughs) helped by alcohol. My my, my brain's like, we've had enough. We're just going to shut off this memory. Yeah, you're not allowed those ones. Those those memory blackouts, they don't count as part of the disorder. That's just, (laughs) you know, um, Um, it has to be be fully um, fully sober blackouts or else it doesn't doesn't count for much. Yeah, were were you ever or are you um, a drinker? Oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, uh, I mean, at different points in my life, I've been a heavy drinker. Um, and that was that was one of the times where, like, one of my parts emerged as I was going through college, and I started having like, blackouts. But it's the kind of blackouts everybody gets when they're drinking. Yeah. But, but in reality, what was happening with some of my blackouts is they were, they were happening hours before I even started drinking for that evening. Oh because wow! Because to like be the extrovert for the evening. And he'd just be like, right, give me the wheel. And that would be, and he would be off and away. And I just, from like that point onwards for the rest of the night, I just have no memory of anything that happened. Now, obviously, alcohol is going to jump in there. But at the same time, um, I, you know, there's, there's I, I, I never had any problems with um, any kind of blackouts with alcohol prior to that. And 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 I, I don't typically get any kind of blackout problems with alcohol. It's, okay. uh, um, it's, it's I mean, it does happen, you know. It's it, but it was a bit. It was a bit. It was again. It was one of those things where it was happening, and it's like several hours before I even started drinking alcohol for the evening. I'd blackout. It's like this other think, well, part of you kind odd. of took over. Yeah, and but I just didn't think about it. I was just like, oh, that's a bit odd. <laughs> that's so, well, yeah, because when it first starts happening, you know, like if you don't know what's going on. It's just kind of like, oh, I guess I just sort of that. I mean, I think it's easy to you know try to rationalize things you know in our own brain and we find different reasons for them like i i could easy easily see someone having that incidence going out oh, maybe i i guess my memory is just a little weird or even instead of thinking it's a mental health thing going like is this like early dementia or because if you're just not remembering chunks but you're like i wasn't drinking yeah i mean typically it's it's not it's just it until I started really sort of diving into it in terms of the, uh, like knowing that I had it and really yeah. sort of working with it, I kind of started to kind of, um, kind of work my way through it. I, I just wasn't really aware of it was the issue because um, although I'd have some kind of memory of things, it'd be like a vague impression and it wasn't, it wasn't enough of a blackout for me to be like, right, I don't remember that at all. That's mm. very, very usual because again, one of my parts, my oldest part, would cover the tracks, would just cover everybody's tracks to make sure that I wasn't really aware of what was happening, you know, because he decided really, really early on uh, when he emerged, uh, we shouldn't let other people know about this, including Franco, because that's a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, Okay, so obviously it's probably hard to pinpoint when those uh, splits start happening, but what was... Um, the event or a series of events that sort of kind of put you on the trail that like this this is something you maybe need to resolve. Like what what made you kind of dive into trying to you know heal it? Oh well, I mean there was just there was a lot happening. So 
I got to some of my um, mid-30s, and by that time, um, a lot, again, I wasn't aware of it at the time, but now looking back in sort of retrospect, I can, I can kind of see when different parts emerged. By that time, there was just a lot of parts in me that had been dominant at different periods of my life. And by the time I was in my mid-30s, uh, they were sort of at odds with each other. A lot of the parts mm-hmm. just really didn't like some of the other parts, you know, really had a heavy dis- um, dislike for some of the other parts. Um, and my oldest part, which is the part that emerged to kind of deal with trauma um, mm. and had kind of taken trauma throughout my life at different instances, was just fucking miserable, you know, because he only ever came out when shit was happening and he had to yeah. kind of save me essentially. So he's like, fuck this. He just, he just didn't really want to go on anymore. He was like, fuck this life shit is just bullshit. Fuck this. But the thing is, he can't just take over and sort of, you know, make me talk myself. He has to get the other parts on board. Mm. So for about a year and a half, he was sort of in the background, just kind of pushing parts around and uh, manipulating my actions in such a way as to kind of push my life into a, a sort of inevitable conclusion where I, you know, I want to hang myself, you know. Oh, and man. I remember sorry. at the time, ah, whatever. It's like, yeah, I've been there, but then but I have to be sympathetic about it because I know it sucks. (laughs) It's what it is. But like um I remember at the time when I was my emotions were all over the place and my sort of behaviour was all over the place. And um I used to even refer to different sort of I I I kind of referred to different parts of myself as almost separate individuals. Like I hate it when I'm that guy. I hate it when I'm doing that. I hate it when I'm that guy, oh. but not in a, but not in a, not in a, in a, in a super aware way. And okay. I also remember talking to a friend because I was trying to like pull my life together, but just nothing. Every time I tried to do something, it was I, I, I just everything kind of fucked up and like exploded on me. And oh, wow. I remember to a friend, and I was like, "It's like I'm playing a game against myself, but the." The part, I'm, the part of myself I'm playing a game against is just much smarter and is pl- planned way ahead. He's like six months down the line. And that's literally what was happening. Oh, like, wow. Part, the part of me that wanted me to die had literally kind of set my life up to fail in the next half a year and, and in a really dramatic and fucking abysmal way. So that at the time it failed, all the other parts would be like, right, fuck this, and would agree that's just, that's just fucking grab a rope, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like self-sabotage, but it's coming right. from like a full personality that in theory, like is taking over at certain times. Right. Right. And the thing is, um, I, I was, I was becoming peripherally aware of it because he was, he was sort of overzealous, you know, when he was, uh, where previously he's wanting to cover his tracks and make sure, uh, I wasn't consciously as my core person aware of all these other parts and what they were doing. He was, he was so desperate to die at that point. That he was he was being a little bit too obvious. So I'd, I'd find myself saying things in conversations, and then and then only realizing that I'd said it after I'd said it, and then li- like almost like listen to myself saying it and going, "What the fuck did I just say?" <laughs> like, did that just come out of my mouth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Like, I would I would say I would be talking to a friend, and I would I'd sort of I'd say something to her, and I, I would I'd hear myself saying the words. But it but was only it... realized that I'd, I'd say that after it happened. And then I'd be oh, like, what? Wow. I'd just say that. So it was almost in a way like observing yourself. 
right in action yeah well i was dissociated i was dissociated from my actions you know yeah and and the, the terrible thing about it was that everything i was doing was um there were conscious manipulations almost to push people away from me or to create division or tension or just create some kind of problem so when, when i was doing it i was i was like i'd like drop things into conversations that i knew would make people uneasy and then mm. i'd as soon as I've done it, I'm like, why the fuck did I just say that? Well, I, I know why. I know now why I was saying that. I was saying it because at that time, uh, friends were not going to be anything I was interested in because friends were going to be the things that would keep me from topping myself. So that wow. part that was wanting to die was just like, fuck all of that. So like stage one of his plan to get me killed was, hey, let's move to another country where you don't know anyone. You know what I mean? That was like Yeah, well, and it, when you're in it, I, I imagine is that something you realized like afterward that you're like oh that's really what was going on versus yeah. just having it where you're like I'm just gonna switch things up in the moment you maybe just think like it's time for a change no it was like I, like I had a desperate need in me to go to another country to a city that no one knew me in and wow. just and just do things there um and the problem was that um I can be quite a friendly fella and make friends quite easily and that was a real issue because what happened was I got to this other place and then made some really good friends really quickly. And, and that, that part of your person yeah. that personality is like, come on. It's like fuck this. It just oh, it was just it was it was like setting a fucking a social atomic bomb in amongst um, a, a few groups of people because every time I, I got close to some people and became quite close friends with them. Uh, that part of me was just like, right, fuck this, and we just fuck everything right up immediately. And like such overly dramatic ways and overly dramatic consistent ways in such a short period of time that again it was it was almost like he was playing his hands in, in a too obvious a, a fashion because I was like yeah. there's something going on here because I'm doing the same thing every time and it's in like in a, in a space of like a year and in a way that I've never done this before I've never had such dramatic friendships essentially before yeah. when I'm upsetting people on such a regular basis like like what the fuck is going on here you know and you felt kind of disconnected from all of those. It was just like all of a sudden things were kind of blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah. And I was and I felt like I couldn't stop it. I felt helpless. Like I couldn't stop it. And everything was coming to a head. I even remember uh, at one point I started planning uh, my suicides mm. because I was like, like I'm running out of energy. And uh, at, at some point in the next half a year, I'm just going to do this spontaneously and it's going to be a fucking shit show, you know, like it's as much as obviously when you commit suicide, it's a fucking shit show anyway. But you were like, this is going to have, you felt like almost like it was inevitable. So let me at least do it in a controlled setting. I wrap my life up and I can, as neat a package as I can make it and and then do it that way. So I had a kind of set plan of when I was going to do it. And I remember one of my friends at the time who was very, like just lovely and very, very close to me. She worked out what was going on. And I says, look, if I don't, if I don't make a plan, I think I think I'm gonna just run out of energy in like the next six months, and I'm just gonna spontaneously one night just hang myself. And I, that's the worst possible way to kind of do this. As bad as it's gonna be, that's the worst fucking possible way to do this. And I, I said that to this lass, and then literally six months later, that's exactly what happens. And it's Fuck. it's like exactly what happens. I was just one random night. I had an epiphany. After spending time with some friends, it was nice chill time. I had an epiphany. They left, and then, like fifteen minutes later, I was, 
you know, um, jamming a belt in my, my door frame and uh, around my neck. And that was uh, exactly how it happened. You know, it was exactly um, how it happened. Let me ask you in that moment, because I, I think that a lot of people who have never experienced feeling suicidal sort of have this picture of it being they assume that people are at the at their wits end in a way that's like my life sucks i'm so sad it's so dark and for me when i experience being suicidal and obviously it's much different than you know everyone's experience is unique mine was almost felt like the opposite like a manic i need to shut my brain off and i can't kind of feeling what what was going on in that moment was it like a like a were you in a calm like oh this just needs to end or was it kind of like a I fucking don't know what to do I can't do it anymore uh, no calm like serene almost it was almost mm. like um, you know like you kind of go through those stages of grief when you get terminal illness or something mm-hmm. last stage is just acceptance and you're just kind of calm about what's about to happen yeah uh, that's that's what I was at I was just just very 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 calm because like I was so certain about what I was about to do because I'd, I'd, I'd thought about suicide plenty in my life, but yeah. always get that kind of point where you're, you know, you're, you're kind of standing there and you're about to kill yourself in whatever method you're going to do. And you're like, you're fucking crying your eyes out and there's snot dripping uh-huh. down. Your- <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Matt, I, I think what I would say in that situation is you're probably not ready yet. Cause if you're that upset about what you're about to do, you probably haven't really accepted what you're about oh, to Oh, yeah. And you'll probably find a way out. Like, that's that's always the kind of comfort and thought I had in those moments where I'm, like, fucking standing on a box with a rope around my neck or some shit. If I'm crying, there's a tiny little voice in the back of my head going, you'll be all right. You know, you'll find a way out of this because you're too upset to want to do this. And the, the, the most worrying thing about the instance, like, what I actually sort of did to hang myself, is I was calm, just calm, just really, really peaceful. And there was no delay in my actions. It was literally my friends left. I grabbed my belt, like real calm, no, no rush, no hurry. Grabbed my belt, jammed it in the door, stood on a bit box, looped the belt over my neck, and then kicked the box away. And it was pretty much as quick as that. There was no delay in my actions. And I was just wow. Uh, so it was just almost like meditative, like all right, just gonna presently yeah, do this. Just like, like oh well, guess it's time to die. Well, then it. I obviously have to ask, what happened? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like, so the first thing that happened is, uh, as soon as the belt um, went tight around my neck, uh, my survival instinct kicked in, obviously, because <laughs> I mean, because guess what, your gene- your genes, they don't give a fuck about your depression. Your genes are just like, oh, that's that's great. Are you are you sad? Do you want to die? Do you want to have some fucking kids first? You fucking genetic transportation dickheads. Your only your only job, as far as your genes are concerned, is just survive and have kids. They don't give a fuck about your mental illness. So when you're in that situation where you're dying, the first thing you do as you're dying is you you know you struggle to survive. You kick and scream and struggle to survive. And um, I was surprised at how much it hurt immediately. You know because obviously you're not meant to hang by your neck. You know it's not. No. It's not I mean if I. If I looked a belt around my ankle and hung by my ankle, it would be fucking painful, you know. And I don't breathe through my ankle, you know. So it's 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 not it's not a great experience. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and they so, say uh, that like with the with hanging a lot, it's not people think it's like running out of air, but a lot of hangings, it's like the neck breaking because your body weight. Oh well, well, yeah, it's it's not even that. It's a blood choke, you know. If yeah. Ever, if I, 
But if there are any like, um, fight fans out there, they know that a blood choke, it doesn't take long to put you unconscious. It's only a few seconds, really. Because it's just, you're just, yeah. you just can't blood supply in the brain and you're just out, you know. Ah. So I knew that I had probably, at best, five seconds. So I just I just kicked my legs and I managed to kick the, the door frame um, just beyond the door and which managed to kind of give my, give the belt a tug and, and tug the, the door open. Uh, and then Shut the belt slipped free and I, and I, and I hit the ground. Um, and yeah, it's one of those things where like it's super painful. So you've when you've done it once, like all that serenity that I had a, a few moments ago was gone. I was just like, yeah, that fucking sucks, man. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll probably just probably just give therapy a go. Actually, mate, you know what I mean? Because uh, <laughs> so is that kind of like the event that you were like? I guess maybe I should try to figure out what the fuck is happening. Uh, I mean, yeah, that that was that was the biggest event, I guess. You know, that was the. The, the thing where I was just like, I mean, I was, what I was, what I was shocked by was how calm I was about the whole, the, 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 the kind of, the seconds leading up to me hanging myself. Just wow. super, you know, just super calm. And I was like, that was, that was actually kind of chilling. Oh yeah, for sure. That you were just so fine with it is like, whoa, yeah. that's. But that's serious. That's not me fucking around or like, you know, f- like feeling like I want to die. That's, I'm, that's me being very serious and deadly with myself in a way that I hadn't experienced previously, you know? Um, and, yeah, and I started... Uh, I just started realising some things, and it actually, I think it was probably another year or so before I started really fully realising there's, yeah, there's some some kind of dissociative thing going on here, because I was, I was starting... I was, like, looking at photographs of myself from years gone by and felt very disconnected from the image of the person in the photograph. Like, I knew rationally that's a photo of me, but when I looked at that, I was yeah. like, that isn't me. Like, that isn't me, you know? Um, I sent you, like, I sent you those photos, right, of me at three different stages of my life. Yes. And there's, like, there's a clear difference. Oh, they're <laughs> you know? very different. I have that, too, though, where, like, I look at certain times in my life where it's, like, I'm all... And I guess I've always tracked, for my, my experience, it, and that's... I'm only saying this because I feel like there's probably, like you were saying at the beginning, people who relate to small parts of this. The disorder is just when it's larger and more extreme. Um, I've always chalked up me looking back and being like, wow, I, I can't believe I used to be just as growth. Yeah, I mean, I think you, certainly that's that's a thing. Obviously, people grow and they develop and and that's, that's a thing that people do throughout their lives. But you, Usually, the person you are at, I don't know, 20 is still reasonably similar to the person you are at 30, you know? Like, you might have you might have sort of uh, learned how to deal with different situations in different ways and matured and got a bit more of a grip of yourself, but yeah. it's not to the point where your friends at 20 would describe you as a person um, and it would be completely dissimilar from their friends at 30 describing yourself, you know? Like, that's growth, you know, that's, that's fine. Yeah. The difference with That's... me was, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, the difference difference with me was like my friends that I grew up with when I was in my teenage years, um, if they described who they knew, um, it would have absolutely no similarity to the friends that I had when I was at college a few years later. Like if they just, if they if, like if they if they got if they guys met each other and they're like um uh, I've got a friend called Franco, and the other one's like, oh, I've got a friend called Franco, and then they described after describing who Franco was. They make him as a different guy. Yeah, oh, it must be some other guy. Yeah, that's not Franco. That's Franco's not like that. It's not my other guy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's 
discussions. Um, yeah, I'm only bringing it up because I'm trying to like see how to like show that difference. Because also, I think it's true for all of us, and I think it's a struggle with a lot of diagnosis uh, diagnoses for for mental illness. Is that like the only brain you know you really have you that you're familiar with that you understand is your own. So I think for a lot of people, until they they are diagnosed with something or they start treating something, they with mental illness, especially it's sometimes hard to know something is wrong, you know, cause your, your brain can be making you feel like what you're doing is rational. Cause that's what our ego does. But also, uh, I think anyone to an extent has either, I wouldn't even say voices in their head. Some people do. They like, ha- they hear things like their thoughts come as like separate voices or like I have conversations in my head with myself when I'm sure. trying to think Nothing. something out. <laughs> So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I'm only saying this as like uh, a sympathizing for how difficult it must be to really uh, recognize for yourself that something's wrong. Like, did it take other people um, kind of presenting you with the idea that maybe it was a mental illness for you to go, oh, maybe there's more to this than just, this is just me. I, I I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean that that was that was part of it. Certainly, like I was I, I was um, I was living in Bali with this lass. Um, and <laughs> Sorry, that's just such a such a random. That feels like such a DID thing to be like. Yeah, I moved to Bali. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, and it's it's one of those things. I've lived in a lot of countries, you know, and it's all because I, you know, I wanted to get away of from the course, Scots. It's just... Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was in Bali with this lass, and she'd actually known me for a few years, um, and I started sort of realizing bits and pieces about this, and I talked to her about it, and she was like, "Yeah, I think I've met like three, at least three different people." You know, like it just it just immediately made sense to her. And she'd even mentioned previously before I'd ever sort of talked about it, it was like when she first met me, she says like it's like I've known three different people because the person I first met is not the same as the, the person that was at this time is not the same as the person at this time. Um and then some specific incidents has happened while I was there with her and I just have like complete blackouts about Oh wow. Like, like at one point we had an argument and like I know that if I think about it I could re- I can remember what the argument was about but I, like right now I can't remember what the argument was about just that it was serious and wow. the only thing I remember is that there was a sort of there's a there's a, just a, a blank area of my memory and then all of a sudden I'm standing on the front porch of the house that we were living in and it's raining and I'm packed and I'm leaving Fuck. and I and I, I don't know why I'm leaving. I just know that there's a place that I've arranged to stay in and that I have to go. And I, I have no idea why I'm leaving. I have no idea what, what's happened. I just, I'm, just, I'm just walking out the door. And as I'm walking out the door, it's almost like I'm sort of coming to. And I'm, and I'm so wow. confused. What the fuck am I doing? But also with the knowledge of, but I know that I have to do this. Yikes. That was like that was like the that was the big thing of just like yeah I need to speak to a counselor. <laughs> yeah, that was a big moment for you, like that incident. Yeah, where I've got to talk to somebody because this can't be normal or typical or healthy. It just kept on happening, and uh, 
Yeah, and and like and, and since and since I've I've been talking to a counselor the last few years, and she's been she's been pretty awesome, and we've kind of uh, pulled a lot of the, my parts apart as well as like looked at me exactly. Well, why did this happen in the first instance? Like, what was what was the um, the reason for this? And it's pretty obvious, like why it happened in the first instance. Um, because when I was three, my dad died, oh, and wow. I just took it really badly. Essentially, you know, uh, yeah. my dad my dad's Spanish. And he had a family in Spain when he was, I guess, his early 20s. Um, and then he left that family to go to London and start a, start a new life for himself in London, get a job and things. Uh, and Spanish people are very family-orientated, so I think it sort of tore him up a bit that he left his wife and his and his, his son in Spain. And he, the, he, he kind of fucked up, essentially. You know, he had a, yeah. had a someone he didn't want to have a kid with. It's a fucking... It's a familiar story, obviously, but it's... Yeah. Uh, in the seventies, it wasn't that familiar, and certainly as a Spanish guy, to do that would would fuck you up a little bit. And I think when I came along, he was like, "Right, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to be a, a better father, essentially." So he um, he had a, like a good job um, managing a really sort of top restaurant, um, wow. which quit, and this and then decided to like start a, a business, a driving school instructor uh, business. Because it meant that he could work in the evenings and spend time with me during the day, wow. and he just wanted to kind of dedicate, you know, really sort of being there as a father. Um, so there's loads of photos of us like just hanging out, and my mum even says it like he was your best friend. Like when you were like three years old, he was your best friend. He used to, oh used yeah, to with each other the same, you know. And, um, then he died, and for years and years, I had a memory, I had a very distinct memory of my my dad dying. He had a heart attack, which is it kind of runs in the family. It's it, it, fuck. He got tested for it six months previously because, like, literally, like his dad, his brother, you know, his dad's dad, they'd all died of heart attacks, and he was like, "Fucking you no, know, this, this is a bit, this is a bit, uh, a, a bit grim." I'll get tested, and he got t- he got tested for it six months previous, and he says you're fine, but unfortunately, fuck. But it, but it sounds your family history. It's one of those things where we're not going to see it coming. It's either going to happen. You're just going to die, or you're not, and that's unfortunately it, it did happen. Just got to keep living until until and yeah. My doctor said the same. Of just like there's really nothing you can do about it, man. It's either it's going to hit you, or it's not. You know, and that's just the way it is. And um, he was doing the gardening, and he just collapsed. And I have a memory of him that he's he's managed to kind of drag himself into the living room, and he's lying on his back, and I'm I'm kneeling as as of prone body when my mum's in the background screaming on the phone for the ambulance to arrive. And that was the, the memory of, I had of my dad dying. Uh, oh my that's, a, that's a false memory. That didn't happen. That didn't happen? That was, that was a creation of the part that emerged to deal with that whole situation. That oh, so it was like created as like a trying to cope with the, the loss. Part just sort of figured that I needed something. With like some something sort of cl- like clarity. Right. But actually what happened was um, he was doing the gardening, but he just kind of started feeling like, you know, like he couldn't breathe and things. Came into the living room, sat down. My mum immediately realised what was happening because, like, he'd been talking about, you know, the heart conditions, his family and things. Yeah. Took me next door and just said to the next door neighbours, can you watch Francis? Because um, uh, my mum calls me Francis because she doesn't even understand how shit a name that is. And everybody else <laughs> by Franco. So took me next door, says, can you watch Francis? And um and then came back, um, and the, by the time she come back, the doctor was in, in in my house at that time. And like by the time she come back, he, he like died within like the next couple of minutes. But I wasn't there. 
you know, I wasn't, I wasn't even there when he died. So you were just kind of like, oh, I, I'm being sent to the neighbors. And then all of a sudden That's... your dad's gone. Yeah. And the, when my mom gave me the news, my mom says that, you know, your daddy's dead. He's, he's gone to heaven. Um, and my reaction to that was just, okay. Yeah. Kids don't know it. how to cope. You know. That was it. That was, that was all. I, and my mom was like, "Wow, he's been so good. You know, he's like not making a fuss. He's not kicking or screaming or any mm-hmm. that kind of shit. I didn't cry or any that kind. Of, I just went okay. And uh, that that wasn't me like not making a fuss. That was me going through extreme trauma. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what happens with a lot of children. And I've, from what I hear, a lot of DID uh, or I- any type of dissociation and a lot of you know tra- trauma based mental health issues. It comes from some big event right. in childhood that's it yeah um and yeah. your was your therapist the one who was able to kind of help you realize that um well it was i mean it was during the course of just um um therapy in general that i that um i started looking into my memories all my memories and i started mm-hmm. asking mom about um about my dad's death and um, she says oh it didn't happen like that when i say like how i remember that she's like you weren't even there and then she told me, and she and she says, and, and I was like, well, what happened when you told me? And you were like, she says, you just said, okay. And then you were just fine. Did you remember that? No. When she said it? I mean, your three is so young for memories anyway. Yeah. No, and I don't I, I don't even remember. My memories don't actually kick in until about um, six or seven, because the part that emerged to deal with that period of my life, when my mom was so devastated and I just lost my dad, um, just essentially just took over just was just like i've got this and just just like and that shuts out the memories kind of right Right. because i also have so few memories from my childhood and from what i've speaking to other people who have experienced childhood trauma it seems to be a common theme right that's it and because it it, it actually kind of worked really well as a coping strategy because absolutely because as a kid i was actually i was actually quite a nice friendly upbeat happy kid yeah. Um, so and, relatable. <laughs> and, and, and and like in a, in a way that was almost it was overcompensating essentially, you know. But mm-hmm. it was it, it was it was like no one could ever tell that I just lost my dad, you know. Like there's no way, and I was yeah. just super friendly and everything was fine. Um, and it was such a legit strategy that at each other, each of my sort of other points in my life, where something traumatic happened, or even I was just going through a hard time, like when I was at school and I was getting bullied loads and things. A part, a part of me would emerge to deal with that situation, and specifically the part if it was something bad that was happening to me, sort of relentlessly, like like bullying. Um, it was the it was the first part would emerge and just sort of take on himself, just be like, right, I'll have this, and we'll I'll have this during the day while you're getting bullied at school, and then when you leave school, you can become yourself and go and have fun and like be a happy, friendly kid. But that 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 was great for kind of getting me through those periods in life but unfortunately what it meant was that part that first emerged to deal with those situations and has dealt with those situations ever since was fucking miserable because the only life he's ever had is just complete shit just trauma he's just there for trauma he's just there for the shit he just turns up for the shit and just takes it you know is it like um sorry go ahead i I was i was gonna say a lawyer is quite strong like he's quite good at taking stuff and he is he's he's quite good at thinking his way through situations so like like my parts don't have names they just have like designations you know so So it's all franco you're never like i'm donald and you're wearing a wig that's it no i'm just all franco because the first part 
decided right at the beginning, like we're all going to use the same name because um, we don't want to let anybody on. Exactly right, but they've got designations because they sort of they differ- differentiate between themselves. So he's the strategist. That's his designation because his whole job is to turn up and just work out how to get us out of this mess. That's that's his. He just long term thoughts about how we get out of, out of the mess we're currently in. That's his. Um, that's his thing. Does uh, that when that person or excuse me that personality shows up? Have you found that um, <clears throat> that you're surprisingly calm during situations that are like stressful emergencies because of a, a personality being developed like that? Because I found. Really, Sorry, just really, really detached. Like that's that personality. His main thing is he just doesn't have emotional reactions to things. Yeah, but, which I, in theory, no, could. Sorry, go ahead. You cut out. As we as we know, as uh, mature adults, like you always have emotional reactions to things. You can just choose to express them or not. If you're not expressing them, you're just burying them. And if you're burying them, that's not any good for you. So that's his issue essentially. Is he doesn't of have course things. He just buries it and lets it fester. You know. Inter- that is so interesting because I. I just wonder sometimes with when people are considered strong in certain situations or, you know, like people who are calm in moments where other people are panicking. It's like, are you more put together or is your, are you just better at suppressing all of this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's it. I mean, <laughs> again, it's, it is useful because in certain situations you don't want to be the panicky person. You don't want to be yeah. the emotional you do want to keep control of yourself, you know? Yeah, it is like having yeah. that person come in who is like, hey, like everything's okay, here's what we need to do yeah. to resolve this. Because I know I will be so anxious about the dumbest things, for instance, Skyping podcast interview, like calling my friends, like you and whoever, or doing these interviews. It's like, oh, God. But then in a crisis, I seem to be the one person who's like the most collected. And it's like, what is happening? <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm the same. You know, I think I'm just I'm I'm very I'm just very like level in a in a sort of panicky situation. I was I was involved in a um, a terrorist attack a few years ago in London. I wasn't involved. I was just there. I wasn't involved. Like, don't say that. If people see your photos, they're going to get very suspicious with <laughs> yeah, that beard. I, I was just around <laughs> it, and obviously in that kind of situation, there's just nothing but mass panic. Everybody's you know fucking screaming you know, and running. And I, I I just wasn't. I was just very. I was just very like matter of fact of just like right, I have to do this for this guy right now because this guy's in trouble. That's that's what has to happen, you know. Are um, you at liberty to talk about what that is? What, what was it like on a train or what? No, it was a, it was um, it was like some silly Welsh twat um, decided to run over some Muslims <gasps> in a van. And uh, oh, it was yeah, I remember hearing about that. Fuck, I didn't know you were there. Yeah, I was driving by. I was driving by like. Um, probably like fucking half a minute after it happened. And I didn't understand what was going on. Just that Oh yeah, of course you're just pulling up and you're like, there's panic. Yeah. I just, and then I just pulled up and there's just like all these people and everybody's panicking and yeah, and that's it was just a bunch of bodies have been kind of mowed down. Um Christ. so yeah. Yeah it was pretty it was pretty um it was pretty crazy. But uh, again it was just it was one of those situations where I was just I was just like, right, this is just what has to happen here. You know, and because I also understand the bystander effect of um, whenever there's more people around, there's less. No one does anything, right? Because everybody's looking at everybody else. Go, will, will, will you fucking do something? Oh, and uh, everyone's thinking, well, someone must have called the police. Yeah, oh yeah, that's. I'm literally reading the Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell right now. Right, and it hits on that. 
Right, sure. So yeah, and there's there's been plenty of situations where um, it's a genuinely dangerous situation I'm in, but I'm always just pretty chill about it. You know, it's I'm, I'm pretty sort of um, practically minded of just like, right, here's the situation. How do I get out of the situation? Like you're That's able to, to analyze it and and figure out what to do instead of you know, being overwhelmed by emotions. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you, how long, like, from the point that you're like, I'm going to go to therapy, first of all, are you still with your first, first, I can't talk, first therapist, or did you have to go through a few to find someone who you found helpful? I've been through a few in my life, but I've stuck with the one that I've had for the last few years. Um, she's she's certainly the, she's the best I've had. Um. um how did you find out about her? Was she recommended, or did you just go blindly searching for a, a therapist? I, I signed up to BetterHelp actually um, online because because um, I've got this tendency to move around a lot, and I wanted a therapist that I could stick with regardless of my geographical location. So online therapy was just a better solution for me. Nice. Uh, I just I just kind of hit the jackpot because actually she's she was kind of doing it <laughs> because she's a uh, under normal circumstances the therapist is like two hundred and forty dollars an hour like she's a really like high end therapist but she was doing better help which is a I think one hundred and eighty dollars a month or something for you know uh, four sessions a month she was oh, doing wow. that is almost like a like a bit of charity she was just it was it's like her version of outreach is uh, wow she's only, yeah she's only going to get like um, forty five dollars a session or whatever you know. Um, yeah, which is like if someone is normally making, you know, and so I, I so want, I wonder about that so often with like therapists and stuff because it's like you know they normally charge this but they're charging this and I think about um, myself as a freelancer <laughs> and the times I've been like well this is my rate and someone's like well this is our budget and I'm like I can do it for that <laughs> yeah yeah that's it. yeah so but especially with yeah. helping people it's like I'm sure it's obviously like I guess it's not it's a completely different thing but with comedy it's like yeah well like. Nobody tell anybody that like I did comedy for free for the first how many years and I just love doing it. <laughs> and yeah. it's like when you really want to help people and you know you have a skill set that can help people in need. I, I, like if you're a therapist because you care about people versus being like I became a therapist because I heard there was money. I think that's like the difference. Well, that's it, and she very much is that. Like she's just she happens to get paid quite a lot because she's very good. Because she job. does good. Yeah. Well, and, exactly. Right. But like, she doesn't. She doesn't require that money, and she and she doesn't. Um, she requires what she requires from herself. That is that she she does her job and helps people. That's what she requires, you know. Um, and there's been even there's even been a period in my life where I wasn't really making any money, and she was like, "Ah, forget about it." And she just didn't charge me. She just, you know, <laughs> she just she sells every week for a few months, and just was just like, "Ah, don't worry about it." You, you know, get me some other point. She just didn't charge me, you know. Um, so I love like, that. Just, yeah, just genuinely. Like, like the, by far the best therapist I've ever had, not just in terms of her generosity, but because she she knows what the fuck she's talking about and she's yeah. experienced with um, what it is I'm talking about and things. And uh, uh, I've made real progress with her, you know? That's amazing. Uh, how long into um, working with her, like, is she the one who diagnosed you? Um, or did you come to her already knowing, like, look, this is what somebody yeah. told me. How can we work on it? I think I'd already mostly figured it out. And then when I started speaking to her, I was like, here's what, here's the things I've figured out and the instances of weirdness. And she's like, yeah, you're, I mean, yeah, you're on the spectrum of DID. You're not high on the spectrum, but you're definitely on the spectrum of DID. Okay. So it's a spectrum. There's people who are like, do full switches and like have these blackouts and probably can't even 
Oh yeah, know that something's going on until it's really pointed out. Or there's people who have like thousands of personalities. There's people who think they're goats. You know, I mean, like there's there's, there's a real. Oh yeah, no, I talked to. I have um a friend who I interviewed at the beginning of this podcast, which is you know over like you know not over but close to a hundred episodes ago. Um, friendly. We're not like close. He lives in Canada. I met him at a festival, but he's got like twenty seven personalities, I think, and some of them are female. Sure. And they Maybe. take over and he's got like a wife and so many kids and they and his wife was just like would catch him dressed up as a woman and thought for a long time it was some sort of like closeted fetish thing. And like right. it, and it can it. go yeah. very deep. That's it. And there's there's folks at that end. Whereas with myself, it's more like um at different points in my life, I felt as if I had to be a different type of person and I just get a bit overzealous with it. But then once I left that part of my life behind, the part I the person I became is still in me somewhere. Yeah, so every so like, often he just like he just pops up. Right. And every so often he just pops up and sort of um he he, he sort of either takes control or has a heavily sort of influential push on my actions at a given time, you know? Interesting. Um, and yeah, that's 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 what it is for me. So it's not it's not an extreme case, a DID, okay. um, but it's a, it's also that you could consider a disorder because of the the blackouts and because the, the personality switches can be so yeah. Well, extreme. it's affecting your life. Yeah. So I mean, right. that's um. Yeah. Do you have you have you guys identified how many parts there are? Uh, there's seven currently. There's seven, but some of them. Very, very rarely sort of poke their head up and there well, has did, been more previously. okay I was going to ask has it was there initially seven or was there like new parts that emerged that you kind of didn't remember or had forgotten they were there well there's parts that uh, like the way I refer to it is there's, 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 there's loads of people on the bus but some folks are at the back of the bus and are not mm-hmm. really paying attention and okay. there's some folks at, this, at the front of the bus and uh, they are paying attention but they're not that interested in driving and then there's a few folks who who want to take the wheel they just want to grab the wheel yeah that's yeah just jerk the wheel um so treating this yeah is it a thing where with your therapist it's like how can i learn to live with this just being the case of how my brain works or is there some sort of treatment you're doing to try to like bring it all into one person one personality uh, more or less it's i mean so there's a couple of things that i do uh, that are sort of regular things that that help me and one of them's called the conference table where if i'm having some kind of issue i sort of you know i do a kind of a bit of a meditative thing and i imagine <laughs> my, sitting at a conference table and all the parts who want to speak up are there and then i okay. just allow them to speak uh without any judgment or any sort of argument or anything they, everybody can have their say uh, and we just kind of try and resolve things as best we can. Sometimes the conference table is just me and one other part that I'm trying okay. to with. Um, and it's about hearing the parts, what they want, and then just accepting that that's okay. And also try and make the parts see the other part's point of view and certain things. Like one of my parts is called the romantic, and mm-hmm. he's a teenager. And his Aww. his idea of his idea of love is like all oh, the sitcoms and romantic comedies and shit like that. So 
You know what I mean? It's like you're going to meet someone, that special person. You're going to have that special connection. They're going to see you for the little like quirky like individual that you are, and like everything's going to be great. And he's great as like a he'd be great as he's great as like as like a boyfriend because he's just sweet all the time, and he's all yeah. about like love people and just being nice and just being in that in that zone in that moment, feeling that emotion. Yeah, uh, but he's shit shit at getting girls because he's too overzealous. He's too like too corny. <laughs> Yeah, and he's 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 if he's attracted to someone, he's immediately just head over heels for that person. That's what I was gonna say. Know? I imagine if so, some a personality like that were to sort of take the reins, that that is grounds for getting into a relationship with someone who like you're more or less settling for something that maybe isn't what you fully want. But it's just like, is it like you know, starry eyed? Are they they're everything? Yeah, kinda. He's uh, falls in love of- too quickly. Yeah, he's he's got he's got he's got he's got this um he's this kind of fake idea of what romantic love is, you know. Um yeah. and uh, it's it, easy I, and know, beautiful. Right. And and that you can just express yourself and tell people that you love them and they're gonna go, Oh my god, you love me, that's amazing rather than go, That's totally inappropriate because we don't know each other that well. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's not it's yeah. uh, he's not he's not good at getting with ladies, you know, he's 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 good at being with ladies, but he's not good at getting with ladies. Yeah. And then there's this other part of me that's the charmer and he's great at getting laid but he's a fucking terrible boyfriend he'd never want <laughs> you know what I mean because he's a fucking douchebag fuckboy piece of shit you know what I mean he's all, all he ever does is just he just says whatever he has to say in order to get laid and then he, he does whatever he has to do in order to get laid that's it that's his whole thing that's his wow. whole fucking job and he's good at it he's real good at it you know but the romantic hates him because of yeah. how dishonest he is and how he, he, he never has any real emotions for anyone and he's only ever doing and saying the things he needs to do in order to sort of get from point A to point B whereas the charmer thinks the romantic's a fucking idiot naive boy who is like you know should never be let around women you know because he's too much of a, a pathetic fool around them you know <laughs> so, there's, so there's that there's that there's that um, um, conflict between those two parts and I have to manage the conflict and kind of you know, like kind of, we, we kind of got to the understanding of just like, listen, we all need each other here because, like, romantic, you need the charmer, or else you're never going to get a girlfriend. And charmer, you need the romantic, or else you're never going to keep on fucking the same person and actually have good sex. That's so, what like, I was going to say. Is like in an know, ideal setting, or you're like, how can we merge the good parts of both right? of these people? There has to be a handover. There has to be a handover at some point. You know, the charmer has to go right on you go, buds. That's 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 your job. Get in now. there, like a tag team yeah. wrestling match. <laughs> and the romantic at the beginning has to just shut the fuck up and stand back because he know he's going to put his foot, his foot in his mouth and get sort of too involved in someone that in an inappropriate way um, too quickly, you know. So they have to just kind of work together. Yeah. Let me ask you, when you're having these conferences, because like I've listened to, uh, you know, I've read about and, you know, I'd done various sort of like self-help therapy with like inner child work. So the idea of addressing the inner child, um, but you're saying you're sort of having these conferences. I'm trying to paint a picture and maybe it's different from time to time. Are there times where you're speaking out loud and also answering to yourself in a personality out loud, or is it all kind of going on in your head? How does it work? Um, typically, it's it's just in my head, but it can be where I'm speaking out loud, and then the the personality is answering in my head. Mm. Um, okay. But, but typically, it's just sort of happening in my head. Um, 
because because it is like a conscious thing. I do have to kind of sit still and kind of close my eyes and think about what I'm doing. You know, it's, I'm not just kind of muttering to myself. You know. Yeah, in a way, I'm trying to think. I, but when when you're doing this, does it feel like is it like two different, or you know, if there if it's everyone at the table, does it feel separate from yourself? Uh, well, yeah, there's definitely a, there's definitely a a lack of um, identification with the voice that I'm interacting with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's I feel dissociated from it. You know, I feel I feel separated from whatever part of me is uh, wanting to say something or you know be be heard. You know, that's uh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But at How the same you- time, I'm still, it's me. I'm still I'm not like. I'm not delusional. I'm still like, yeah, all of this is still me. Still you. you know? I'm trying to think, what am I trying to ask? Okay, so how do you feel? Sorry, forgive me. I'm trying to find a way to, it's like a concept in my head that I don't have words for. <laughs> Boy, okay. what a mushroomy sounding thing to say. Um, sure. I'm not on mushrooms, but that sentence sounded like it. Um, there's sort of this idea, not an idea, like, Thoughts come into into my head and the the more I've meditated and the more I've like worked on myself, I've gotten to this place of, and it's not constant. Sometimes I do feel very attached to my thoughts, but when I'm calm and able to really be in a place where I'm um, observing my thoughts, there's this sort of separation of me from the thought where in theory I go, in theory, none of my thoughts are me, you know, just a thought popping into my head this might not be a question that can even be answered. How is that different? You think like just random thoughts versus, you knowing this thought is coming from this specific person, personality. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, that's the thing about it is that um, that's why it's, it's when you get into the nitty of it, especially with someone like me, who's not high in the spectrum, it's very familiar what I'm describing, you know, okay. like, when you're having a conversation with yourself about why you should or should not eat the cheesecake, like you're having that conversation with yourself. Now you may not identify spe- like specific parts of yourself that have like names or like you're not labeling or- it as like this is the part of me that doesn't right. want to get fat and this is the part of me that wants to cope with my feelings. <laughs> right, you're just you're just you're just accepting that all those parts of you are the one part, and I am too. But there's just a clearer division between who it is I'm okay. talking to. It just feels that's, very that's separated. Right, that's it. And sometimes I'll I'll do things or say things, and or even see photos of myself or video of myself or something, and feel very very detached from the thing I'm looking at or hearing or saying or whatever. To the to the point where I'm almost like having an outer body experience, you know. And it's it's more like someone's driving my body around, and I'm just kind of observing what's happening and going, "What am I doing next?" You know. Um, it's like. Uh... Um, like I think I said this to you previously. It's like you know, every, every so often you might you might find yourself walking into a room and going and going. Why was I coming in here? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, well, I'll do that. Except I'll I'll travel to another city, and as I'm as I'm like <laughs> pulling into the city and like finding a parking spot, I'll get out of my car and be like, Why the fuck did I come here? 
Like it's yeah. like it happened on on such an unconscious level of just like I took a shower, I got dressed, I went out of my car, I drove up the street, you know, I I went on that, I went on the highway, I drove to the LSA, I pulled in, I parked, and as I'm getting out of the car, I'm like, why the fuck did I? Like there was no real conscious thought process Reason. that went into everything. Wow. I was just in a kind of, in a kind of zone, in a kind of so haze, and almost like spacing out times ten, right? Yeah, it's just I space out, but I space out for a few hours. But some, I mean, it's it's always interesting when it happens, and it's always like <laughs> part, like part of me wants part of me wants something, or is trying to tell me something, or or something like that. Like there's um a few weeks ago, I was doing some work, and <laughs> it was <laughs> so I was doing some work, and um, I was listening. I was just I was just doing some sort of manual work. I was doing some work on my van, and I was uh, I was listening to uh, an album, and. One of the tracks came on, um, and I, I was sure I'd just heard it. I was like, I'm sure I just listened to this 10 minutes ago. But there's no way I've heard the whole album, because it's only been like 20 minutes or something, you know? So so yeah. I, I got my phone, and I, I looked um, at like what was going on. I, like, if, I, if I put it on random play or something like that, what's, how it's happening. And I don't do that. I listen to albums sequentially. I'm anally attentive when it comes to things like that. So it, that's not what's Well, I think happened. they're meant to be listened to that way, really. Exactly, I mean, you know what I mean? If, if you're not listening to it sequentially, you should probably burn in hell. But like, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had a look at my phone to find out what the fuck was going on, and like two and a half hours had passed. Oh, so fuck. I thought it was, I thought, I thought it was twenty minutes. What's happened is one of my parts was like, oh, I'd quite like to do this work, and just took over. So you kind of <laughs> so, just like, well, it's that's so interesting because yeah, I've so had that bad. happen with work where all of a sudden, uh. I don't. I, I don't realize I've been working for three hours on something, and it's just like you've zoned in on it. But it's always sort of felt, in a way, like I'll go, "Oh fuck, I can't believe it's been that long." But then, in a way, I'm, you know, unless I've, you know, missed some appointment or something, which hasn't happened from being zoned in, I'm kind of like, "Oh, I must have just been very into the work." It's become like meditative, but right. And and the only the only uh, it's yes, it's pretty much the exact same thing, you know, like. It, it, the only thing when, when, when this happened a few weeks ago is... Um... Okay, that concludes the first hour of my interview with Franco Marufo. That is all of the free portion of this show. If you would like to get the rest of the interview, which is a whole other hour long, head on over to patreon.com slash ignoranceisblessed. For just a dollar a month, you can get the full episode and other cool stuff. And you're supporting me. And my God, I need so much support. Please support me. That sounds so sad. Another way to support, if you like the podcast, no money at all, subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. Share it with your friends, because everyone's a little bit ignorant sometimes. Big, big thank you to John, Dustin, Je- Jeg, <laughs> Greg, Jean, and Kathy, and Terry, exclusive members of the League of Extraordinary Idiots on Patreon. You guys keep these episodes flowing and keep me sane, and I'm having fun with our... Uh, we kicked off crappy hour and uh, that's another fun perk of the patreon now is weekly hangs and uh, you can be part of that uh we've already discussed that ignorance is blessed patreon check that out uh or you know just join the facebook group to get into some banter with other listeners just look up ignorance's hashtag blessed idiots on facebook 
please keep in mind that no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity. They're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world. If you have additional questions for Franco or you want to suggest a guest or a topic, best way to do that put it in the Facebook group. Let me know. What kind of people do you want me to interview? Is there someone specific in mind? Send it my way. I am happy to do my best to fulfill your suggestions. So please keep giving those suggestions and keep asking questions. The more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots.